Welcome to the Top Gear magazine podcast, a peek behind the curtain of what it's really like to drive other people's cars for a living. These are the stories behind the stories. Hello, I'm Jack Ricks, Top Gear magazine's editor, joined by this man, Rowan Horncastle, TG's head of content. And this episode, we're talking about actually driving off-roaders off-road, espionage in a Genesis G70 shooting brake, and why we love a good wankle. Rowan, do you like a good wankle? At the end of the day, te- 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 <laughs> technically, no, but, I, you know, who doesn't love a spinning uh, a spinning triangle rather than you know, a, the old-fashioned cylinder? Favourite car with a wankle engine? It's got to be a 787B, isn't it? The noise and... Oh, oh evocative, evocative. amazing. Anyway, we're not here to talk about that just yet. We're here to talk about the latest issue, our big off-road test issue, mm-hmm. where we got four of the biggest contenders all together to see what really had the muscle. And, name, um, should, we, should we name them? Well, the Ford Bronco. Very good. The Jeep Wrangler. Mm-hmm. The, uh, well, the Mercedes G-Wagon. Yeah. And obviously the new Land Rover Defender. There we go. But we also, it wasn't just us, a whole team of us went out to Wales to get as stuck as we could, really, and have the, heart, the cars help us out. One of those being Ollie Marriage. Yes, so Ollie, are you are you there? Can you hear us? Yes, I'm here, boys. There he is. There he is. So this is the this was the bizarre idea we had to take a load of off-roaders and actually drive them off-road because let's face it, these days these cars are ninety five percent will be used on the school run, but we wanted to get them properly muddy, didn't we? We did, and we wanted to do it in a particular way because I think we get too used to seeing cars just go to a quarry and have a good play around. So we wanted to go to Wales, do a bit of proper adventure with them and really uh, test ourselves as well as the cars, really. Yeah, and, and our secret weapon that we had up our sleeve was uh, Simon Bond, who uh, looks after social media. He's our resident off-road expert. He's the man that actually does this stuff at the weekend out of choice. So he was sort of our unofficial guide, which is always useful in some of these roads can get quite gnarly. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, the man who's never seen without shorts and wellies, <laughs> basically lives in that, and an old defender, yeah. um, was our guide for what to do off-road. Um, and it was it was fantastic, wasn't it? We had such a good time doing it because you were so far away. We went to this road called the Strata, Florida. It's not a road, really. It's just a track through the middle of nowhere. And it starts in the middle of nowhere and it finishes in the middle of nowhere. And it crosses not a single road for 12 or 13 miles except for a couple of forestry tracks, and that's it. And then you're just driving through, you know, bogs and mud and across rivers, and it feels like a proper remote adventure. And, you know, the exciting thing is, you know, when I said Jeep Wrangler and Ford Bronco and the other two, actually, we weren't just in the basic cars. We were in the exciting ones that we've tried to get hold of. And getting a Ford Bronco in the UK isn't easy. It was an interesting process, yeah. Uh, As you probably know, the Ford Bronco isn't going to be sold in the UK as it stands. Um, But there is a a, a car dealer called Clive Sutton who's importing these cars. So we managed to get hold of him. Uh, He loaned us the Ford Bronco uh, and he loaned us the Wrangler, actually, which was the Rubicon 392, which is the silly one with the V8 engine. So thank you, Clive, for the loan of the two American cars. Um, But yeah, so once we knew we'd got these uh, Europe versus America foursome together, it was... It was on. And there was a bit of negotiation that had to be 
had to what exactly we were going to do with them off-road. Yeah. Uh, and it was some light off-roading uh, that we did as soon as we reached the first river, wasn't it? <laughs> well, yes. I, go, I think if we'd been able to pick personally, this was the first Ford Bronco in the UK. And it, it probably wasn't in the best condition. You want the thing, with, you want the big one with the Sasquatch, Sasquatch pack and the 37-inch yeah. tires. And we didn't have that. We had a a less, a slightly lesser spec Bronco. I think it was called was the Outer, bit more outer Banks. The, it outer was the Outer Banks, Banks version. Yeah, yeah. But it Which, was, it was the fact we did it all. You know, we literally we went and stayed at a cottage in the woods to do it, and we gathered all the night before, and it felt like we were out, and the wind was blowing, and the temperature dropped, and it was, yeah, it was. So it felt like a bit of a challenge, really. Do you know, what? it's so one of the do, first. Go and do this properly. Exactly. It's one of the few feature shoots that I've been on, actually, when I woke up the next morning and it was the wind was howling and it was hooning down with rain. And I thought, perfect, just the conditions we want for this <laughs> for this test. But actually, what that meant was when we when we got out on the on the trail that the rivers do you remember that first bridge we came to and the water was just flowing over the top top of the bridge. And we're thinking, hmm, now I'm no civil engineer, but shouldn't the water be going under the bridge? <laughs> yes. um, so yeah. yeah, river levels were high, which sort of came into play a couple of hours later. Uh, yeah, it did, didn't it? So yeah, we went. It was there was a fair bit of jeopardy involved, and I think I think we sort of lulled us into a first full sense of security because the first mile of the trail was relatively easy going. It was just a bit off camber, but then you sort of went over, and then it suddenly got a bit more gnarly, and then we got to that first. Um, but, you know, first proper river crossing, and where Ollie Q, I think, had the had the water going over the roof of the Wrangler. <laughs> <laughs> no one told him. Obviously, any seasoned off-road expert will know yeah. that um, a, a gentle, steady pace uh, across mm. a water crossing, create a bow wave, keep the water out of the engine is your is yeah. your main goal. And no one told Ollie Q, who took a run up in the in the V8 yeah. Wrangler. And just hit the water at about 50 miles an hour <laughs> and buried the bonnet. Uh, luckily, he got away with it. L- luckily, the, you know, they, they had thought about some owners who might have that attitude. Mm. So it put the te- relative, relevant technology within the car so it could evacuate said water from any of the bits that would be consumed by the engine. But, Ollie, you may as well go into how we ended up deciding which cars we were driving. Because I was in the Bronco, uh, Jack was in the Defender, <laughs> you were in the G-Wagon, and then, like you said, Ollie Q... There's a very scientific model that we used mm. to, to, to get what uh, set of keys we were driving, it, right? It was. I bought my Christmas socks along and we um, <laughs> we pop, dropped basically my sports socks. We dropped a key into each sock and then I made you choose a sock. So you yeah. had to put up with my smelly footwear mm. and then you had to, yeah, just chose a sock basically. So it's completely random. No one knew what they were getting and I had whatever was left over, which turned out to be the most the most luxurious car of them all. So I was quite happy with that. Yeah, um, yeah. But yes, it was yeah, completely random guesswork, basically. And I, I was initially incredibly happy with my, mm. you know, not just pulling out the Veruca from your sock, but also the key to the Bronco. But then we saw it and, you know, I was a little bit disappointed because this one, without the Sasquatch pack, was a bit anemic. No, but and- also it had the, 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 the flappy fabric roof. So you can get the kind of the rigid removable panels. You know, the Bronco is quite cool. They built it to be kind of modular. So you can, you can take the doors off, you can take the roof off, you can take everything off. But this one had the fabric um, kind of fold back roof, which actually just, it doesn't look right and it's a bit flimsy. And this one was sort of flapping about in the wind, probably because we didn't know how to secure it properly. And but, with that um, 2.7 litre V6 as well, it's yeah. a, you know, and the gearbox together, when you've got 
a big burbling G-Wagon next to you with side pipes, you know, spitting out water. It didn't quite do it. And then as soon as we got to the more aggressive stuff off-road, it's the only one that I felt, mm, this one could struggle here, where yeah. it is remarkably capable, but it just didn't have the solidity that the others did. Yeah, well, it comes back to what Ollie said. It just wasn't in, quite in the right spec. So I feel like the Bronco's fighting a little bit with one arm tied behind its back. Um, but, but, but yeah, it was. But look at it. It still made it. And there were some amazingly <laughs> gnarly sections. There was only one thing we, that we didn't put it through that we put the others through, which was that ridiculous bomb hole. Oh, yeah. We had to hole. climb out of it up a waterfall at about 45 degrees. And yeah. that was the only thing that we didn't dare put it through. Apart from and that, to, it did everything. And to be honest, it, it would have got up here. It would have had the traction to get up it, but it was just about yeah. the approach and departure angles, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. And if it had yeah. been on the bigger wheels, we'd have been able to roll it into that and then yeah. and then up. But, you know, there's some really gnarly sections of big rocks and you're sc- crawling and scrambling and the car's sort of pitching and diving and bumping <laughs> over. And yeah. it made it through. And they yeah. all did, but it was, you know, some of them did it slightly more professionally than others. That was all. It, it was really interesting swapping between them all because they all have very, very different personalities, more mm. than you get in, you know, other subsections of cars. If we did it, you know, a, you know, an MPV group or, a, you know, a small hatch group. When did we last do an MPV group? It's coming soon. It's coming yeah, soon. Yeah, it's coming MPVs soon. are on the way back, people. Viva la Spas. But the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, these, you know, the Wrangler... It feels like a caveman's four by four, but I Jesus love Christ, that. I it. Yeah, yeah. What I love is that that it's it it's so it knows its niche. It's very American. It's very targeted at these the the sort of hardcore off road enthusiasts and everything they do with these like overly rugged switches. And I love the fact that as soon as it got anywhere near a puddle, it just started steaming like like a sort of dragon with like smoke coming out of its nostrils. I think the engine was a bit hot under there, but um, but I think. What you're saying about the different characters, the G-Wagon was like a sort of luxury hotel room, wasn't it? Just sort of wafting about. It's, it was like it's such a, a lovely thing. Club, basically. Yeah. I, got the old, I think I had Move on my ambient light settings yeah, so, yeah. as I turned off onto Strata Florida. Like, oh, this will do. Yeah, but it didn't yeah. look like, the G-Wagon did not look like it had the ground clearance. And yet, no. oh, it just managed to cope with everything and do it so well. And I love it on the G-Wagon. You've got that row of three buttons in the middle for your diff locks, centre yeah. diff, front diff, rear diff, and it just says, press them in this order and I will do whatever you want to tell me to do. And yeah. that's exactly what it does. Yeah. So you just don't need to worry about it. The others sort of made it a bit more sort of, I think, well, the, the Defender's very more like the G-Wagon, but the yeah. other two Americans are basically like, here's a load of switches and buttons, have a press or a pull of that lever, and it'll do something, but you better know what you're on about. And also, I got it wrong earlier. It wasn't the G63. It was the G500 no. because I have actually taken a G63 down the same the road. 400, the, di- the 400. Sorry, the, yeah, diesel, sorry, yeah. the diesel. Yeah. 400 yeah. The diesel. The Which is the diesel. one I'd have, actually. Yeah. But without the exhaust down, hanging down the side, it did actually make it a lot more accessible. Yeah. But I have to say, the Defender completely stole my heart. Just the on-road, off-road, the tech involved, and just, you know, as a package, what JLR have done there... Yeah, cue, cue the comments saying we're British and biased, but we don't care. But, Trust uh, us on the day. We had it in the right spec, though, didn't yeah, we? We yeah, had a short yeah. wheelbase 90 on steel wheels that it d- didn't feel too precious or you know anything was going to get scratched. And then you just... it, well, But it was remarkable at what it could do. It was the softness and the capability of it. So yeah. it just felt so polished in the way it would go and do things. And, and, and the that's best, what uh, sort of distinguished it from the others. Totally. Even when it was on the gnarliest sections of track, it was just just felt comfortable and unflustered. Mm. And the best way to describe it is whenever we got to a particularly tricky session, 
send the defender to the front. Um, yeah. You know, that would be the scout vehicle that we knew would make it and then could yeah. could tell the rest of the convoy whether it and would it, make it. It, it did have a snorkel. But when we yeah. got to that, which meant that when we got to that massive river crossing on the first day when the river levels were over the banks, we it was the one we had at the front and it was probably the one we could have put through but you know yeah. they, it was it, we should say this on day one we actually reached a point about halfway along and some bond our guide in chief <laughs> did say no chaps we're not no even going to risk that because yeah and what's the point yeah, in getting one car across if if the other three are stranded on the other side of the it. river so never leave an off-roader behind yeah. There you go. <laughs> anyway, so the, yeah, we did the cover shoot, which is all for real. You know, scaled them up rocks. It was uh, amazing to do that. And then, great shoot done. So then we decided to drive home, yeah. just to wrap up. So two of us <laughs> took the Americans. We thought we'd take the road route just for safety. You know, you want to do that yeah. one last, uh, one last. Yeah, trip. Ollie and Simon basically said, looked at each other and said, "Should we do the? Uh, should we do the Strata Florida one more time in the reverse direction?" <laughs> yeah, go on then. So off they went, bouncing along, and we said, "Look." You know, it's been a long day. Let's let's take the road. So we took the road route. It's the middle of winter in Wales. Everything is covered in ice. And then we crest a corner an hour and a half into our drive to see a van sideways across the road, blocking the whole thing. At the bottom of an extremely steep hill. So Rome was in front in the Wrangler. He stopped. If he'd gone two feet further on, he would have hit the sheet ice that the van hit and you would have been just piled up next to him at the bottom of the hill. Um, so we, we sort of sat there, we assessed it. Could we drive up the bank? How could we get past them? There was no way past. And then we saw some lights on the hillside, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, we saw these two, like, bucking and bron- uh, like, bucking and throwing... Uh, <laughs> SUVs. We're like, who? What idiots are driving down the Strata Florida now? Oh, it's our colleagues. That's fine. They'll see some hazard lights in yeah. the distance. They'll come rescue us. Oh, they, they did stopped. actually. They stopped. They yeah. stopped. They stopped. And then they drove off. And they drove off. Yeah. So then we had to drive for three hours round the other way uh, with no phone signal because we couldn't get hold that of them. That is not an exaggeration. The 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 route, the reroute was yeah two and a half, three hours to get back to the house where all our stuff was that where that we were 10 minutes away from. So, Ollie, we'd just like to say thank you so much yeah, for, for uh, saving us and looking after your colleagues. You're a real team player. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. No, I've, yeah, phone signal was not a strong point out there, was it? And I have to say, your flashing lights were pretty weak because we didn't see them from anywhere. What, what was that line you said, never leave an off-roader behind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. never that, leave did, a friend behind. Yeah, yeah, did, yeah, yeah. Did, yeah. Did, we, we said, we're going to go and st- do the Strata Florida one more time in the dark because Bondi had never done it and it sounded like fun and no one yeah. else wanted to join us. So I know, I, yeah. All right, we'll leave it there, Holly. Anyway, um, thanks for bringing all. back memories. Are you off to do something exciting? What's going on today? I'm off to drive another SUV today, but not the type you would send down Strata, Florida. Um, I've got to go off to Silverstone to drive one round a track. It's the new Aston DBX 707. Ooh. Any, uh, anyone special in the passenger seat? I believe the chairman or CEO of the company. Tobias <laughs> 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 Moores. Tobias um, Moores is, uh, I think, or he's probably going to drive me round and then I expect he'll get out of the car when he's got when he's got off of the passenger seat. I would normally say, uh, you know, take it easy, but actually knowing Tobias Merz, he'll be the one egging you on to drive it as sideways as possible. So <laughs> have fun. The life of a busy car journalist. Yeah, eh? I'm looking All forward right. to seeing what that DBX is like, see if it's any different to the standard one. But yeah. big power, very different to the others. But uh, yeah, enjoy. Thanks a lot all. Cheers, Al. Will do. Thanks, boys. 
All right, so um, I, th- I think it's time to meet the whole copter. Should we, ah. meet, should we meet the whole copter? Uh, you know, it brightens up my day, even just a, a little a little syringe of Paul Horrell that comes in and, and gives me a, yeah, a, a boost of, of, of energy and knowledge. It's just like an espresso shot for your brain, isn't it? So Paul Horrell, he is our contributing editor, uh, one of the most experienced car journalists in the world. He's got an enormous brain. He knows absolutely everything. And what we're going to do here um, on each pod is give him 60 seconds, strictly 60 seconds, to explain a very complicated idea uh, and we're going to make sure he comes into this completely blind so i assure you this is him riffing on something he's just heard about so should we get him on yeah and i just agree i don't think he has one brain i think he has three brains actually <laughs> if, if, if we're getting into it but yeah this is paul horrell hello paul are you there i'm here there he is, Paul Horrell, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so you know the rules. We're going to give you a stupidly short amount of time, 60 seconds, to explain an incredibly complicated thing. Um, so are you ready for uh, yeah, your yeah. Can blind I just, topic? Just, Jack, you are assuming what? that the ladies and gentlemen have listened to your previous podcasts. I'm not going Every to assume that. You... I'm going to assume we're going to start that they. this is the first one they've heard and they don't know the critical thing about this, which is that in my defence, I have no idea about what words are about to uh, come he doth, out. He doth protest Ryan's too head. much. I'm doing this blind, ladies and gentlemen, out there in Top Gear land. Okay? He, they're going to can... ask me to explain something and i don't know what it is until they ask me good can you tell that he's slightly anxious i am this very is, anxious. this is the I don't this like is the exact state that we want to whip you up into paul if i gave you the the topic even two hours beforehand you would probably write a phd on this i need you unprepared i need you um freestyling All okay right? well the only yeah okay just the just the twanging nerves of caffeine power let's go okay <laughs> Turn the safety off and prepare to fire, Paul, because us and our audience would love to know how does a Wankel rotary engine work and why don't we see more of them? Go. Go. Uh, It works by having a roughly but not quite oval-shaped cylinder in which a roughly but not quite triangular piston moves around um this means that the actual uh, circulating thing is a lot less violent in its action than an upping and downing piston um so that's great the problem is that a um a century's development has meant the pistons can move up and down without wearing their parts out very much whereas uh Wankel engines at the tips of these rotors, um, they're very, very high pressure area, so they uh, cause a lot of wear. And also they tend to get very hot and uh, heat surrounding combustion is not a great idea because you get a lot of oxides of nitrogen, which is a very difficult difficult pollutant to control. Um, and also, uh, I mean, they, they work quite well with, with, with turbocharging. Um, they're very small and light, so they are good, but they wear fast and um, they pollute. And we'll have to stop there. And that was bang on one minute. Wow, Paul that Horrell, impressive. that was impressive. Yeah. Um, and just to, just to clarify, you, you do like a wankle yourself. Oh, yes. <laughs> when nobody's looking. <laughs> awesome. Paul Horrell, that was, that was perfect. You're getting better at this. Yeah, great to see Paul. And no, I must stress to the audience, he had no idea what we were going to ask him. So that is the genius of Paul Horrell.
Okay, back to the issue. Let's see what else we've got going on in here. The Ferrari Daytona SP3. Thoughts on that one, bro? Uh, well, it's the new one of the Icona series. Yeah. The first is the Monza, if I'm honest. Um, yeah. I feel like there's a truth you want to tell us. Do you, do you like it or not? What's your gut? Nah. Nah. No, nah. No. I like the idea behind it. Um, naturally aspirated V12. Uh, you know, it's it's almost a bit like a, a fancy LaFerrari without all the hybrid bits, which is exciting. A mid-engine V12 Ferrari, but... I just think there's too many Ferrari design elements going in. It's not quite as resolved as it should be, or classic. But that is cool. This is in the this issue. Is we cool. have the next generation rally cars of, 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 of base, the WRC and Dakar with the Audi RSQ e-tron plus the Ford Puma. Yeah, very nice. Uh, we've also got this documentary about the genius of Michel Mouton. So there's a feature on that reviewing the documentary. But that's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about this slightly offbeat feature uh, that we did based around a company called Genesis. Now, if you haven't heard of Genesis, Genesis is a bit like Lexus is to Toyota. So it's the posh Hyundai arm and they're trying to crack Europe. And they've produced uh, various sized SUVs and saloons, but there's one car that it's kind of caught our eye a bit, and that's the G70 shooting brake, which is, again, use of the phrase shooting brake with gay abandon because actually it's just uh, it, it's an estate with a bit of a swoopy roof line. It is an interesting car, though, to, if you don't, no one knows what Genesis, let's be honest, no one knows what Genesis is in, in Europe. It is going to grab attention, but we needed to kind of see what it was all about and put it into, you know, behind enemy lines which is the headline yeah by taking it to germany but we didn't do it did we, we no we put our crack spy on this one sam burnett so sam joins us from somewhere in the middle of italy sam are you there hello i'm on a mission um can't can't say too much <laughs> are you on another spy mission yep. in italy no so uh you, you are just on the skoda enyaq coupe yes. launch aren't you um it's not really a top secret spy mission. No, it's, a bit, it's more like rest and rest recuperation between spy missions. <laughs> <laughs> so, how? So, tell us about this behind enemy lines, genius headline. Um, what was the what was the idea behind the feature? What were we trying to achieve? Well, we thought if Genesis was trying to crack the sort of premium European market, then we needed to take the car to visit some premium European manufacturers and see what they were doing and maybe get a few hints and tips that we could pass on to the Genesis lot. Whether they would receive them or not, I don't know. So which country did you make a beeline for? Oh, I drove straight to Germany. In fact, it was a bit of a spy mission to get out of the country. <laughs> we had to sneak out between lockdowns, but we managed to, to get over there. And we went to, uh, well, we headed straight over to Ingolstadt and then down to Munich and then across to Stuttgart. And we went to, um, well, first we started off at Audi's headquarters and then we went down to bmw and then mercedes and we uh yeah snuffled snuffled around looking for clues by which i mean we went around the museums and bought things in the shops and <laughs> all right all right all right don't give it away keep the keep the mystery alive sam because oh, sorry, um yeah. the suspense and the mystery the suspense and the mystery, yeah. So, uh, and actually, when you look at the um, Stuttgart, uh, Munich, and Ingolstadt on the map, they're actually not that far apart, are they? I mean, I don't want to diminish your epic road trip, but they're sort of in a quite a neatly arranged triangle. They are, yeah. They're reasonably close. It feels a lot longer when you're driving, but obviously, you've got de-restricted autobahns between them, so you can speed up the journey as well. What did you hit on the autobahn? 
146 miles an hour, but things were flying off, so I had to slow down. <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. Uh, pedestrians. Yeah. The, the wrong what did you hit? Uh, yeah. Um, but, but what did you think of the car, Sam? What is the, what's the shooting brake like? Because it is visually interesting. I'm sure the locals, you know, do they even bother looking at it, or does it have to be a German manufacturer for them to get, gauge any of their interest? I got more attention in the UK, I think, it, but it wasn't a, it wasn't the sort of shine retiring spy car I should have had. But then James Bond drives an Aston Martin, so he's hardly sneaking into places, is he? Yeah, but I mean, all right, your car stood out a little bit, but you had disguises. Did you did you have a spy outfit? Fancy dress was involved. Am I right? I was going for a sort of Tinker Tailor Soldier spy aesthetic, and I didn't know how fashionable the Cold War would become uh, a mere months later. <laughs> exactly and and so you went around the um we, we can tell them the, the the full extent of what you got up to um, which was going around to the souvenir shops at the at the various factories so what kind of stuff did you pick up that you could bring back and report back to genesis about how to crack the european premium market it was actually quite tough because the museum shops are rubbish in all the three manufacturers audi's got the best one there's quite a good range of stickers and key rings uh, BMWs is pretty terrible. A lot of enamel, um, sort of fridge magnets and, and, and things like that. And lots of books. Like I don't, I mean, I don't like to stereotype, but I don't know if BMW drivers read many coffee table books. Uh, and the Mercedes <laughs> one was full of bespoke aftershaves. <laughs> well, lovely. I thought you'd been smelling nice recently. Yeah, yeah the office did smell, did smell good. But yeah. um, also, Sam, you you've done some interesting stories for us in the past. Can you tell us a bit about your trip around Coventry? That was almost exciting. That was the build-up to the, the Germany mission, really. Um, but that was when we took a, an Audi Q4 e-tron. We just wanted to, to see how far we could get on a, a tank of electricity. And um, I think the, in many ways, Coventry is the birthplace of motoring. And uh, I think there's no better tribute to the modern motor car than to do laps of, of, of the Coventry ring road and managed 177 times in the Audi Q4 e-tron before it gave up the ghost. It's a lot of miles. And how long was that? Yeah, how, how, it was about 14 hours. What's 177 laps? It was, laps a, it was over four, it was four, four, 14, fourteen hours. I would sooner drive to Ingolstadt in one go than drive around the Coventry ring, ring Road 177 times again. And am I right that you only stopped lapping the Coventry Ring Road because your dad, who who lives there, um, came out onto the Ring Road to flag you down and tell you that supper was ready? Well, my mum gave me a ring. My dad had seen uh, seen me earlier. He was driving around. He's got his funny little smart car, <laughs> and he he pulled up alongside me at the roundabout, and he'd been going for about half an hour trying to find me, and he was he was waving like a well, I guess a dad. I shouldn't say anything mean about him. He's waving like a dad uh, alongside me, and it was my my mum called me in. <laughs> Uh, yeah. later and said my dinner was getting cold so so as you can see we always give sam the the primo jobs um the most exclusive and glamorous features um but sam thank you for taking on this genesis idea and just in conclusion then does genesis have a chance well i think based on the feedback that i've been able to give to them I, the product is already better so i think their chances uh, are, are only going to improve uh I'd like to see. I'm I'm excited about their electric SUV. I think that will be an, an interesting one. I, internal combustion engines are, are, are boring for these big execs, so we want something a bit more fun from Genesis. And do you have a chance as a spy? Uh, well, I think I could make it. I probably have to ditch the Ladybird magnifying glass if I'm going to really go <laughs> undercover. Fantastic! Thank you, Sam, so much. Um, I'll let you get back to your um, electric. Uh, coupe-shaped Skoda SUV and we'll catch up soon. Marvellous. 
Okay, uh, let's wrap this bad boy up then. Do you fancy a little quiz? Love a quiz. Love a quiz. All right. Let's get so quizzy. This is this is a little Top Gear pub quiz. It's uh, called the Top Gear Top Nine. Now these are the um, the listicles that we have on the website every week and in every issue of the magazine. Um, and the idea here is that we're going to try. We're going to have three guesses each and try and pick the cars or the things that are on the top nine list. But we're going to need someone to help us out with this. Yes. So we've wheeled in the office statistician, (laughs) Ollie Q. He is the man who loves Wikipedia, loves encyclopedias, Mm -hmm. loves all knowledge, and uh, helps collate the top nine with the rest of the office. So what have we got this week? This week, something indisputable, something I'm sure none of you will get anything wrong. We're going to look for the top nine best Go faster stripes ever apply to a car. All right. Uh, Ro, do you want to go first? Yeah, I got this one. All right. I'm going to keep score because this could get heated. This is easy. Come on, let's start with the OG. If if you're of a generation of gaming, what can only be known as the Viper stripes, which is the classic, you know, four four to six inch wide American muscle, two lines down the side of, you know, a Viper, a Cobra, etc., He's off to a flyer. I've actually gone for the Viper, the SRT10 ACR, which was a track special, your kind of GT3 RS well. of Vipers. But yeah, a classic stripe, but all Vipers, yeah, always look best when they have the, they look like they've been run over by the road working machine. So one point to Rowan. Over to you, Jack. Well done, Rowan. Uh, nice little start there. I'm going to go with uh, quite a modern car, actually, but one that was very much defined by its livery, and that is... The Porsche 911R. No. Not on the list, purely because those stripes... No, no, 911s don't look good wearing stripes. I thought that one did. The green stripes that they had on the UK car. No, there are some cars that just don't do the Viper stripes. I I agree with Q here. Hey, are we discussing whether it's good taste or not, or whether it's on your list? They're just... This is indefinable. There's just certain cars wear the stripes well, certain cars don't. 911s with stickers on, GT3s, GT2s, fantastic. But go faster stripes, no. That's a big fat zero. All right, let's move on. Well, I'll tell you what a good stripe is. I don't know, I've got two to go for. Both Italian. But I'm not sure what's on the list. I love a Balboni stripe on a Gallardo. When it was a white and gold, over the top, slightly off-centre... I think I know the other Italian car you're going to go for, and you're going to kick yourself because the no, Balboni. No, don't say it. Don't say it. The Balboni I... is not on the list. Oh. The Balboni does not make the top nine. A great stripe, but that car, memorable for its manual gearbox and being rear-wheel drive and making Lamborghini go back to basics, not for its paint job. Come on. Okay, so still one nil. Uh, I'm going to pick up that hint that you just dropped there and run with it. So it's got to be a Ferrari, and many have had stripes, but let me try and transport myself into the nerdy mind of Ollie, it's probably 360 Challenge. I'm going to give that to you. The 360 Challenge Tradale. Yeah, was no, the don't give it car. to him. The Challenge is the race oh, car. Oh, come on. I missed off uh, one word. That's where I was heading with it. It was inspired by the Challenge race car. Challenge Tradale is Challenge Street. So I'm going to give it to him. The optional stripe that I think pretty much everyone specs. That if you ever find photos out there of the car without the stripe, looks so much cooler, looks much less try-hard. So... I don't know what point I'm making here. Go faster stripes are really cool, but this car looks better without it. Quick, move on. Okay, move on. Okay, let's change Last country. guess. No, good one. Good stripes. Gordini stripes. Seen on seen on many, many a car. Blue and white. Hyper nerdy choice. You confident? Well, well, yeah, which, which, which Gordini? Well, any of them. 
Jack, but, I've just given you a point for getting you got the name of the car I know, wrong. But, so but I'm at least give... I offered a, a, a model, not just a sub-brand. No, it's just they're just known as the Gordini Stripes. I think Rowan right, and I'm going to give it to him. I've gone for the Renault 8 Gordini, the classic, the French blue with the white stripes, slightly offset for no reason why, if you know why write in. But yeah, the Gordini Stripes. And Missy, free... don't, don't look good on the Twingo, but, you know... <laughs> Some, make everything for us, Some so. French flair to the list. Okay, Much so uh, to pull it even, last guess, uh, I'm going to go with uh, a bit left field, but I'm hoping that you um, that you spotted this one. The window, <laughs> the window cleaner's favourite. Uh, one of those Transit Connect sport jobs. The Transit with the stripes down the middle of it and the big wheels. The, the body kit. The, in the top nine, greatest... <laughs> Go faster stripes ever applied to a road-going vehicle. No, 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 no. Not the Ford GT. Not the GT40. Oh, yes. not, not, not the Plymouth Hemi Cuda. Not the, the Lotus Cortina Mark Can I change my a answer? Ford Transit owned by a window cleaner. <laughs> Would you know it's not on the list? But they're probably the fastest, like, go faster stripes you've ever seen. Oh, in terms of the worth yeah. brake horsepower, that's got to be 50 easy. Yeah. Can I change my answer to no. Ford GT, please? I'm afraid I have to accept in the greatest quiz tradition your first answer. It's not on the list, and from an early lead... I've embarrassed that is, myself there. That is 2-1 to Rowan. Oh, there you go. Oh, there we go. Victory. Right. Victory for Rowan. Uh, I'm visibly upset if you're watching this on YouTube. Um, but let's wrap it up there. Ollie, thank you very much. You're welcome. Um, try and improve your list for the next one. And if you want any more Top 9s, head over to topgear.com. There's plenty to choose from, and uh, let us know your favourite stripes. And the great thing media. is, no one ever argues in the comments, just like you guys. Yeah. Everyone just very happy to accept the list. Anyway, cheers, all. Cheers. cheers. Right, uh, time to go and drown my sorrows in the pub, I think, after that one. You coming, Ray? Yeah, I'm going to go to celebrate, yeah, thanks. All right, you can have the champagne. Uh, that's probably more than enough uh, for this one. Before we go, remember to check out topgear.com for rolling car news, reviews, and anything else we can find on the internet. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, just type in Top Gear Magazine Podcast to wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, if you're in a subscribing mood, subscribe to YouTube, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and you can also get a magazine subscription. Yeah, you can even buy individual copies of these magazines. Amazing, amazing high-tech things they are. All right, everyone, that's enough. Thanks for listening. See you next time. See you next time. <laughs>